I wanted to talk about coming out of darkness. I know that we covered some of it, but it's such a big topic and it's so far reaching that I feel like it deserves its own space. I didn't fully realize it. The coming out of darkness and the face afterwards is more intense than the darkness itself. It's also not something I would have expected. I'm actually curious, how long has it been now? Now it's been three weeks. Is there still anything that like an after effect where you feel like, oh, this is different than it used to be before? Yeah, all the time. I still feel way more sensitive than I've ever felt many, many times. Like you're tripping on the tulips. I'm tripping on the tulips for sure. On the colors, right? When I see like colors, I go, woo, it's just so intense. But I think I have a newfound sensitivity for stimulus, for how overwhelmingly stimulating normal life is. So when we'll sit, like the day before yesterday, we sat at the park There were lots of people and music and, you know, we're kind of in the city center. To me, that would have normally been nothing. We're just sitting in the sun chilling. I was sitting in the park and the entire time I was thinking, this is fun, but it's too much. Like it is like me being overstimulated. It's too many different noises, smells, sounds, people, reflections, light colors, movements, cars, bikes. It's, I was sitting there And although it was like, it was very much fun to eat the fries and drink a beer and sit in the sun, the sun felt really warm and comfortable and cozy. I was not under the impression that I am fully relaxing here because it's so calm and chill. I was thinking and feeling this is fun, but I can't do too long of this because I feel too much. It's too overwhelming. It's being under a waterfall of you know, sensual stimulation. And it's like, it's just getting too much. And that's not something I would have felt <laughs> at any time beyond that. And there's many moments like I, I'll sometimes, before I eat something now, not every time, but sometimes yesterday and the day before yesterday, I will take the food with a spoon to my nose and smell it first before I eat. And that's not something that I usually did. It is the kind of thing that maybe I would think at some point, I should do this more often. I should like smell the food more or eat slower or really be more present for food. I've thought this many times, but three weeks later, it's not one of my goals. It's not something that I've written on a note. It's not something I'm trying to do. It just kind of now happens. Yeah, it just happens naturally. Coming out of, you know, there was prior experience with doing and having more psychedelic experiences, taking psychedelics where you kind of feel more emotionally raw afterwards. So I knew or expected it to be similar where for a couple of days afterwards, I should take it easy. Now, for me, in my life circumstances, the way things had fallen into place for me, I knew I'm not going to have it that way. It's not going to be easy. I'm way overfilled my days, my schedule. But I thought, you know, what can I do? It's going to be overwhelming. You know, I'll have to deal with it. But nothing compares to coming out of darkness. No LSD trip, no MDMA therapy, no psilocybin. Nothing I've ever done compares to how intense it is to come out of a week of darkness and how lasting it is also. You don't find your way back into normal life as quickly. I didn't, for sure. I think... One of the main things 
when I came out of darkness was really feeling less filtered so that I'll sit in this room, let's say you're not even here, and I'll look around and I'll go, wow, there's so much going on here. This is so loud. There's, you know, books, there's a television screen, there's mirrors, there's furniture, you know, there's like the wind outside. And where before I would sit there and be like, nothing is going on here. This is absolutely the quietest it could be. I'm like, no, it's not. (laughs) There's a lot happening here. This kind of mind shift of really being more open to perceiving all the stimulus that reigns on us, on our body and mind and on our senses at all times. And with that, I think comes a, for me at least, has come a more gentleness. I'm still not gentle because I was always so hardcore that I'm trying to pull back on speed and intensity. It's a process. And I still think I'm way far away from anything that's like gentle in the way that I live my days in life. But just recognizing and realizing more vividly how much is going on and that we are hurrying. I'm hurrying way too much. I'm too nervous to get to the next thing. I'm too afraid of not having done enough. And I'm too jittery looking for where's going to be the next stimulation. Oh, it's quiet. I'm sitting here. What should I do? Should I make a coffee? Should I look at my phone? Should I write something? Should I just sit here? Okay, I can just sit here. Should I sit here and focus on my breathing? Or should I just sit here and think about a problem I've had? How long should I sit here? Five minutes? Five minutes enough? What do I do after I sit here? That kind of never-ending machinery within us, within me, now I hear it so loud. Partially, this makes it always with these kind of moments of awakenings and like increased awareness. At first, it's always more inconvenient And you think, wow, my life was so much easier when I was not hearing this voice voice so loudly. But on the flip side, this great empathy I have, almost like I wish I could go back in time and really hug myself and be like, dude, just take a breather. Just, it's okay. Just breathe. Wow, you're doing way too much. Just relax a little bit. I do have a tenderness towards my former self than ever before. I really just wish I could go back in time and just hug me for an hour. Just be like, dude, holy shit, just relax a little bit. Don't drive yourself so crazy. Even other things, you know, I'll have a... A difficult conversation with somebody, an employee, right? It's sort of a tough conversation between a manager and an employee. And I'll navigate that conversation. Let's say it goes well. The conversation ends. And I know I remember how I would used to instantly have almost this, okay, I almost like had to waste an hour talking about this. And now what can I do to catch up with that hour where I could have done other things because I addressed a problem somebody else had, not my problem. And I'm like, okay, I had to take all this time to address this problem. Now we've addressed it. And it was almost like I would rush to catch up on a felt sense of lost time. When today, after a conversation like that, I'm like, wow, this was intense. And if nothing else happens today, I work with somebody and we worked out a very difficult thing, that's a lot. And if nothing else happens today, a lot happened today where I would cram in, I would have three of these conversations in a single day 
and do all kinds of other things and do yoga and go to the gym and uh, read and write and run and all this. And at the end of the day, I'd be like, today I didn't do anything. The sense of the empty pit, the dark hole where you just throw in more and more and more and more stuff. It's just never enough. Just the more activity you do, the emptier you feel. Yeah, the faster you run in the hamster wheel, the faster it also spins. It spins, yeah. And so it's never enough. That's what goes back to this, ah, you know, wish the day had more hours or our lives are too short or I don't have enough time. It's one thing you learn in darkness. <laughs> you know, it goes from, oh my God, I wish the day had more hours to... Holy fuck, what am I going to do for 24 hours a day? It changes very quickly. You go, holy fuck. And you know, it's like, yeah, well, in darkness, because you don't have responsibilities, you don't have the daily. But you know, the funny thing is, that's a beautiful metaphor. We're such hamsters in the hamster wheel that we don't realize that we set the pace way more often than we think. We do set the pace. And because we've learned a whole life that faster is the only pace we should always be striving for, that's all we do is we run faster and faster and faster and faster. So on days when we don't have something to do, you know, what do we do? We fill the day with activity. How do we measure the quality of a day, a Sunday, based on what we have done? Was it a good Sunday? Well, what did I do today? I cleaned the house. I read the book I always wanted to read. I went to the gym. I uh, prepared my taxes. And then we go, yeah, I guess this was a nice Sunday. I did do a lot. Or I met with friends. We had a party. You know, I went out another day and I went shopping. This was a nice Sunday. Look how much I filled it with. It's always how much did I do just Pay attention to yourself. When you sit and you have nothing to do right now, pay attention to where the current of your life is going to take you. How long is it going to take you to ask the question, what should I do now? Or what should I do next? It's one of the most immediate questions. We're so stressed. So like in response to what feeling inside of you, right? Yeah. Sometimes there's some feeling that you're kind of doing. It's like putting, covering it with makeup a little bit so you... You know, maybe there's a feeling that you don't want to feel and by doing, engaging in some activity, you don't have to. Almost all activity is running away from yourself. It doesn't mean that you cannot be, you can do or you can take action in the present moment in full presence and awareness that will feel like an extension of who you are, who you want to be. Most of the activity that I see is a running away. It's a running away from silence, boredom, fear, stress, anxiety, nervousness, shame, guilt. It's a running away from an unpleasant feeling. Because consider this, if you were in absolute bliss, in true bliss, where would you have to go? What would you have to get done? Absolutely nothing. If right now was great, there would be no inner pressure to change the moment. To make a change. You just sit here and bathing in bliss. Most of the time, we're not bathing in bliss. And so we take an action. And if we ask ourselves, well, what am I running away from? It's like nothing. I felt okay. I just want to do something. But it's always in the how does it feel? Does it truly come from a flowing, relaxed current? I would venture to say that most of the time, no. I think that when you come out of darkness, especially, and you look at people... And like humanity, you're in a city or something, you look around 
it's like uh, you just walk into an asylum, you know, and you're like, holy fuck, is everybody stressed out of their minds? And I've heard this before, you know, this is not some kind of crazy new idea, but when you really live it, it's like, wow, everyone is so in a hurry. Everyone is so tense. Everyone's face is so stressed. And when you start paying attention to facial expression and body language and less to clothing and less to, you know, the projection, then you go, wow, this person looks really attractive. But then you look at the face and you go, oh, this person looks really angry. And then you look at another person that's, oh, that person looks very confident. And you pay attention and go, that person looks really worried. <laughs> like you start seeing the details behind the facade and we are so go, 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 more, more, more. We are so at the core, I think, I was so often, not everything in my life, obviously, but very much in my life was a rushing to fill something, rushing to fill my day with more things because an empty day seems like a worthless day. An empty hour seems like a worthless hour. An empty moment, right? Also the difference between empty and spacious or peaceful or open, right? To me, if nothing is happening, this is sort of like empty. Empty is worthless. Yeah, if this box is empty, there's nothing in it. Nothing is worth nothing. We need to fill the box with something valuable. But we're filling the box most of the day with total, absolute, worthless stuff. We're sort of like filling the box, emptying it, filling it, emptying it, filling it, emptied. And then when somebody asks why you keep filling and emptying the box, it's like, well, if the box is empty for too long, then uh, it's worthless. So I'm filling it. Okay, well, once you fill it, why do you empty it again? Well, because if the box is full, I can't keep filling it with valuable stuff. So I feel like all day long I was filling it with this value, but it's, the box is still just filled as much as it was in the morning when you put something in there. Like delusion, illusion, this sort of insanity where you just keep going, keep going more and more and more. And then when we have moments of rest, rest feels bad. Rest feels wrong. I can't just have a Sunday where I don't do anything. Most people are like, what did you do this Sunday? Nothing. Okay, what was it? Well, you know, in the morning, I just went on a walk and then I watched Netflix and then I was on my phone playing video games and, you know, then I went uh, out for food. That's not nothing, quite a lot, <laughs> you know? Our lowest base level of doing very little is pretty full day, actually. But we have to be present for these things. We could do a million things and not be there a single second because your mind is always on to the next moment, on to the next task, on to the next week. And so you're rushing through thing and through one thing to the next and you're never ever there to experience anything. And then, you know, then all your life and all your days and all the hours do feel empty. You're like, holy fuck, I work so hard. Nothing fulfills me. Nothing is filling me up. And then there's a sort of anger that, we have towards the world. It's like we feel a pain of the merciless world that keeps demanding more and more of us. Well, it's my work. They just want more and more. Well, it's my family. It's my girlfriend, my boyfriend. It's the neighbors. It's a city. It's society. We start feeling like all these external entities are to blame that we are so pressed for time, so stressed, so overwhelmed. 
never really able to relax and calm down because I can't, I have to dot, dot, dot. Or ourselves, right? Because maybe we haven't used our time the right way. And that's why we now have to use it in this stupid way when we could have really been, you know, X, Y, Z. There's so many variations of this theme. It's a holding on. That's another thing. Like we fill our present with the past and future. And it's the future is anxiety and the past is guilt. That's it. Now, there's some moments where we will think about the future and it will excite us. But I dare to say that that is one out of 10,000 future thought moments. So small, such a tiny dust spectacle of how much time you think about the future where that thinking about the future is excitement or vision or anticipation, like positive anticipation. Very, very little. How much of your future thought is anxiety, worry, stress, overwhelmed, many, many options. And I'm not sure, should I do this or that? What will happen next? Oh shit, my uncle is coming. I should have to do this. I should have to do that. Well, but what about work next week? We need to finish this project. It's all that. It's all unfinished opening more and more threads, tab on your browser, more and more opening, more and more and more and more tabs until eventually you can't see anything anymore it's just like a gazillion tabs and you don't even know what to click there's nothing visible anymore. everything is a blur and when we think about the past i'm sure there's some amount of thinking about a positive thing in the past but there's also a tremendous amount of guilt and shame a i should have done this i should have done that well i would rest now but last week i didn't finish this thing. Am I allowed to rest now when I last week didn't do the thing I said? I should probably do the thing now. What is that? That's guilt. That's guilt. That's like saying I'm not allowed to be in the present moment because in the past I didn't live up to some standard or I didn't finish some task or I wasn't living in the moment then. The past is full of guilt. The future is full of worry and anxiety. And only in the present can we find ourselves? Can we really like find also rest? There's no to-do list that once it's finished, there's no to-do list that will ever finish. <laughs> Every to-do list that you finish, it is a never-ending story that directly or indirectly will generate another to-do list. I mean, it feels nice you have five things on your list for today and you check it off, but I guarantee you as you check them off, either visible or invisible, another list has been generated. That's the other thing. I keep practicing telling myself this because my life has been busy for, you know, a decade or two now, really busy. So I've never had like a super chill life. I've never made a super chill life. It's not that I have it, I make it. But recently, especially when I came from the US back to Europe, I had almost this desire to finish up all the administrative tasks, all the chores, everything to sort of finish up with everything that I could possibly could get done in the US to then clean slate come to Europe. And I had to remind myself over and over again that such a thing does not exist. The moment I would finish up this list, I arrive in Europe, somebody sends me an email the next day. Hey, could you do this and this? And I'm like, ah, shit, if I was in the US, I could easily finish this. That's like inbox zero. It's also, it's nice to have inbox zero, but it can also be an incredible, you know, prison. Because if that's your religion, well, you're going to be fucked. You can't control how many emails you're getting. And no matter how hard you work today to get to inbox zero, tomorrow you wake up and it's not going to be inbox zero anymore. That's life. And no matter 
how much you take care of. I've done the taxes. I cleaned the garage. I uh, went and set up, uh, found a new accountant. I uh, went to the dentist. I've done all the things. Well, just wait a week or two and you'll have a new list of things. New things will happen. That's life. New problems, new, you know, oh, now the fucking uh, car broke down. Now you had a accident and you broke your knee. Life is always going to be filled with tasks, challenges, problems, work, things you need to do. This idea, this yearning for once I have cleaned out all my to-do and all the things on my mind, then I can relax. That's such a fool's errand. It's like this carrot stick dangling with a carrot in front of you and you try to reach the carrot. You'll never get there. You will never get there. You'll get there for a moment and then you're back on that hamster wheel. It takes real courage to go slower. It takes real courage to be present in this moment because we've learned that this moment is not worth much. And right? we're like, no, you should use this moment to prepare your future. This moment is all you have. Use it and be here. And then if in this moment, what rises up is prepare something for tomorrow, then you do it, but you do it right now. But you don't run around in this fog of constant new thoughts and threats of what needs to happen, be prepared or be worried or worked on for your tomorrow, which then never comes. Sacrifice the now so your tomorrow will be better. Yeah, sacrifice all your now so that your tomorrow is going to be great. Well, the problem is you will never arrive at tomorrow. Tomorrow never comes in that way. And so you lived all your life. And many things you did prepare well. You know, people that are very worried about the future and are always constantly preparing for it, they have pretty well-organized lives. Problem is they're never there to enjoy any of it, to enjoy any of that organization, to ever pleasure in it or fill themselves up with it. Wow, I worked so hard and now, ha, huh, now I can take a couple of days and just be here and enjoy this, what I've created. No, because there's another future to worry about and prepare. We are so over-worried, so over-anxious, over-stressed and over-stimulated that the majority of what we do is all about suppression, like suppressing all these things, either by avoiding running away from, being distracted, or by suppressing in some way, by numbing it down, right? By consuming something that will noise out the thing, right? If you think about it, like consuming tons of coffee. I mean, by now the cool kids, are like not even the cool kids, every kid is like, well, it's coffee. They're just on Adderall or something like Ritalin. That's how they go. Well, I'm a college student. How could I not be on Ritalin all the time to get through college? It's like, holy shit, you know? So it's stimulants. Then it's like music. You're sitting there and your lap, you know, loud techno. So you can concentrate. It's like, wait a second. Let's think about this for a moment. You need me stay focused. Intense music so you can stay focused. Huh. You want to ponder this for a moment? Loud, intense, stimulating music because otherwise you cannot concentrate because of your thought, right? There's something is going wrong here, really fundamentally wrong. You know, food, it's like, well, you know, I need the sugary thing and these salty things. And, this, you know, it's all stimulation through food, through sound. You know, our environment, like look at your, just look at your phone, the average screen time on your phone. Like when I did this a year ago or so, and it was five hours, 
four to five hours, I thought, what the fuck am I doing four to five hours in front of a screen on my phone? That's not, and I was not even a, amongst my friends. I was one that was way less on his phone than others. And then it's like, I don't have time. Well, you had five hours to look at your phone. <laughs> what if you look at your phone for three hours? Boom, instant two hour win. But you know, the majority of those five hours, maybe an hour or so was really like looking at the phone and doing something. The majority is spent in 10 second increments, one minute, two minutes, 30 seconds. I need to write my friend a message. You write the message and then you open Twitter or you open Instagram or you open your email or you open, you know, your pictures and you just like in the story of Momo, just out of the window, another five minutes of your life disappeared. And you're sort of in a hypnotic state. You don't even know five minutes just passed. You just like, just left consciousness and just followed the apps and notifications and whatever was shining at you. And then eventually you go, oh, wait a second. And you go back to normal life. Well, that's five minutes of your life gone. And another five and another 10 and another 30 seconds. And at the end of the day, five hours of your life in little tiny increments was sucked out of the window into, you know, the bank of the gray man that are sucking you out of life. And now I'm very conscious of it. Like I, my phone time is an hour and a half a day. And that's mostly, you know, writing to people. It's mostly texting family and friends. Once in a while, I'll look at some pictures, but it's, that's like four hours of my day that are not just sucked out of the window to nothingness. It's our phone, our tablet, our laptops, the modern life, TVs on, your laptop, you know, on your lap, and you're looking at your phone, <laughs> you know? Munching on some sugary thing and drinking a coffee and going, I'm so bored right now. I wish my life was more stimulating. Do you know why? We have to numb ourselves so much to deal with the waves of stimulation and all these feelings that we have that are so overwhelming. So we numb, numb, numb. And then we go, I don't feel anything. I need to penetrate through this wall that I've built inside of myself because I need to feel things to feel alive. Without feeling anything, you feel dead. You're a robot. We want to feel things. We need to feel things. There's this beautiful quote that we're not thinking beings with feelings. We're feeling beings with thoughts that think. And this is kind of the vicious cycle. It's more, 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 faster, faster, faster. Everything is set out to the future. I live most of my life only in the future. Very little in the past. That's why I barely remember things. And very little in the moment, if not almost not at all in the moment. And in the future, very little in actual you know, anticipation and excitement. Anytime for years, people would ask me, are you excited about fill in the blank, something cool that was coming up? I would always look at people. I'm like, I don't get excited about things. I'm not looking forward to things. I'm too busy with preparing for everything. And then when I would arrive there, it'd take me like two days to actually be there. And then I'll have a day of enjoying it if it was a vacation or something. And then I would be back on worrying about the future of what happens when the vacation ends or when this travel or trip or adventure ends. You can't find fulfillment that way. You won't also find the answers that way. Most of the questions of our lives are so complicated because we're speeding through things too fast. We're just rushing. We're running too quickly. If you slow down, your environment becomes much easier to navigate. You close your eyes and you run like crazy. You're going to run into things and things will become disorienting and very scary very quickly. 
but you open your eyes and you go really slowly, things become very manageable. It's one of the things I really love. I still now, three weeks later, love when I put on my face mask to have to go somewhere and do something, even in a room that I don't know. If I think about this room, which we've not been more than an hour in, if you tell me, we'll put on your face mask and then you have to go to the kitchen to get something out of the fridge and come back, that is a delightful thought for me right now. You know why? When you're completely in darkness, every movement is just slow. You just move very deliberately and slowly. And you also don't move and think about other things. You can't be worrying about the meeting tomorrow and go and get something. <laughs> go and getting something is all you do. It's all you're concerned with. Because otherwise you're going to run into things. There's a slowing down that's delightful. It's just like, oh, it feels so good. And also this overstimulation. And I still do it. But I just, when I do it now, it's obvious that I'm in a circus in this very moment. Like even just playing music while doing something, which I do enjoy. But when I play music and I do something, I'm sort of in a techno club right now. And I'm like, and there's laser beams and smoke machines and people drunk. And I'm like, okay, this is fun, but it's nothing. It's like, it's this is not relaxing. This is not, I'm just focusing on the email. I'm intensely stimulating my body and my mind. And I might want to do that, but I can't do that all day. Like I just can't, it's impossible. I never realized coming out of the darkness, how stimulating life is. Everything is speaking to you. Everything is asking for your awareness. Everything is asking for you to pay attention to it, to look at it. Everything is a potential thought or memory that gets started within you. I never, you know, realized how stressful many things are. Driving a car is stressful. It's hard work. I drove somewhere for eight hours, you know, even for an hour. To me, that was a waste of time. Now I'm like, well, it's a lot of work for the body. It's very stressful. You look around, cars left and right. You have to navigate. You have to do things. You speed along. You've done quite, you've done a kind of a, an intense thing. It's not a throwaway nothing. You didn't lay on your bed with eyes closed and you were just breathing. Every conversation you have, every decision you make, those are big things. Those are intense things. Those are not nothing. There's no accumulation of things that will ever fill you up. Life is so intense. Like normal life is so fucking intense. Even without looking at the phone or laptop or playing music or drinking anything or eating anything, life is super intense. We have to come out of it like slowly and in small steps. When I first moved to San Francisco, I was drinking five to nine cans of Red Bull every day. I would drink two Red Bulls and then go to sleep every night. I was drinking Red Bulls so that I drink something with taste, not because I needed the energy. At least I wasn't aware that that was the purpose. I was just had gotten accustomed to the taste and I just wanted to drink something with taste. By the way, <laughs> this is funny. Like water is very sweet. Normal water, unsweetened water is pretty sweet. And I mean, I never realized that to me, water was tasteless, completely tasteless. But once you get off of all the intense things you eat, once you get more mindful about how you eat eventually, at least for me, I realized, holy shit, I never knew how sweet water is. Also, I always like my water very cold. That takes away of it. But if you just drink room temperature, warmer water, your taste buds are not, you know, overstimulated like mine were, you drink that and you're like, it's actually, it does have taste and it's sweet. It's a sweetness, a very gentle sweetness. I said this once to my kids 
And the mom and afterwards, they all told me that they were making fun of me because water definitely is not sweet. But I remember when I first stopped drinking Red Bulls, how I didn't drink Red Bulls for half a year or something. I had been drinking Red Bulls daily for five years or something. And I remember the first Red Bull I had again, I was really excited about it. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have myself a fucking Red Bull now. And I took one sip and I thought, holy fucking shit, what is this? I was drinking this every day? It was so... Such a crass taste, so intense. Like, whoa, what the fuck is this? And I feel that's the sort of process I'm going through with my entire life where slowly kind of scaling down some things and I'm looking at the way, the pace, the intensity of many things that I was doing and I'm like, holy shit, that's that's too much. It's not nice. That doesn't taste good. I don't believe that there is no sacrifice in this. There's nothing you're risking. There's no external success or impact or even action that I'm losing by going slower, by being more intentional and more aware, more present. At least I can't identify anything yet. The only thing I'm letting go is intense stress, worry, and anxiety, pressure. But that pressure, I mean, that pressure forced me sometimes into action. It was the only tool I knew. So I sort of used it as much as I could. But I don't feel, I don't necessarily yet feel that, oh, it's a trade. You do less, go slower, you're more mindful, you're more present. Yes, that's nice. But, you know, you're going to accomplish less. You're going to be less in the society's eyes. You're going to be, you know not creating as much, not as impactful, not as, you know, awesome, but you might be more peaceful. It's sort of the, yeah, you can do this, but it comes with a big price tag. It's also probably a lot of the things that we like pressure ourselves into and that we get stressed out about. It's like the things that like really matter and are meaningful and the things that busy work, right? And I guess there's so much busy work that we stress out about that doesn't really move the needle right in some meaningful way where it eats up so much time it costs so much energy but at the end of the day if i look at my work week there's so much where i'm like if i wouldn't have done these things would things be really any different no and our lives are filled with and and maybe when we are in a more calm space and we take it slower maybe we are more aware of like oh no this is not something that is really like that I should be giving my time and attention and energy to now, but this is, right? I think this is not necessarily a mistake, although it happens unconsciously. I think the busier you are, the more of your day you're busy with things that don't matter. And the reason for that is that you want to fill up, you want to have that feeling of movement action, but you cannot haste through really difficult decisions and really difficult and complicated actions. So what are you hasting and running? You will select anything and everything that needs very little consciousness and thought precision. That's how you're going to fill up your day. You're going to find these things. You're going to be like, well, I have to reorganize my desk. Why? Because it feels important in this very moment and it feels like I'm doing something, but I'm actually not doing anything. You know, if my laptop is on the left side or right side, or if I clean that little corner, it's meaningless. But the beauty is I don't have to. It's so inconsequential and I can do it in the worst state of mind. So that's what I'm doing. I'm doing all the things that can be done with almost no consciousness, no concentration, no real difficulty of decision-making, no thoughtfulness. That's what I fill my day. And the more I fill my day with these things, the more of these things I need to fill because none of them move anything forward. So I feel like, oh my God, I need to do more of this. The moment you slow down, 
That's why, you know, our heart slow down, I'm sure, is too overwhelming of a transition. If you take somebody that's in that hyper anxious action state and you push the brakes real hard and you tell them just sit here in stillness and think about your life, it's not going to be a nice transition. It's not going to work well. So you have to slowly transition out of it and slow it down. But the slower you go, the less you actually can afford and want to afford to fill your day with craziness. Think about this. If somebody spent five minutes organizing their desk, if it had to take them three hours to do this, like one hour of sitting there and thinking about if this is really the right thing to do, another hour of thinking about what exactly they want to do and why, and then the last hour to do it very slowly and deliberately, be very hard for somebody to go through with this, right? To be like, yes, this is exactly what I want to be doing right now. It's only in the rushing that I don't have the time to think, that I don't have time to really consider what am I doing here? Does this really matter? And in most cases, we fill our day with these rush tasks that are a distraction from the more difficult task. Remember, we recorded once an episode where we talked about this, what is my intention right now? And that I was asking this question daily, multiple times, and I realized that a majority of the time when I had to ask that question, when that ask question was arising in me, the answer was, I'm avoiding something else. Today, there's one really difficult decision I have to make. You know how busy I'll get today? You know how much I'm going to have to do today? All totally and utterly irrelevant tasks. But I'm going to be drowning them so much I didn't get to the thing that was difficult. If I only had more time. <laughs> you know, yeah, no. The slowing down and being intentional will make you move through life in hyperspeed compared to everyone else. Because everyone else is moving in circles while they're trying to get somewhere. And the more productive they want to be, the faster they're running in little circles as they're trying to progress forward. You know how difficult it is to do that? And that's why they constantly fall over themselves. And you just take one step at a time, very slowly and deliberately. You're going to crush everyone in that race. Everyone. And everybody will go, well, but he's going so slowly. We're going to crush him. Yeah, but you're not moving in one direction. That's the other thing, like... I think so much, but how much is thinking about something in a concentrated fashion, right? Where you actually don't just think about it. What should I do? I don't know. There's this option, that option, the other option, all options. I don't know what to do about. Fuck. I don't know what to do. What is in the fridge? I need, I think I should get a Red Bull. Fuck. Oh no. I should send an email. When is my friend coming at five? How many hours do I have? I should make another to-do list. Oh shit, what am I going to do about this thing? I have three options, but I still don't know what to do. That's not thinking about anything. That is not necessarily concentrating with a focus, staying with the topic. And why? Because if you stay with a topic, you'd realize that you have three options. You're afraid of all of them or something about them you don't like. And so you're in an impasse. You just stop there. This is my problem. These are my three options. This is as much as you've thought so far. This is the 11 seconds of thought. But now, if you didn't feel the need to run away to other thoughts, you could stay here and now think, well, what do I do? I don't know. How do I find out? Well, let's consider these three options. Why don't I like the first one? Now you have to go deeper. Why do I not like the first one? I don't like the first one because I think it's the wrong option. It's convenient, but it probably won't lead to the right result. Okay. And now again, I might want to go and get a Red Bull and write an email, but let's... What about the second option? I think the second option is the right one, but I don't want to do it. What about the third one? Whatever. Okay, let's stay with the second option then. Let's think about that. 
And this is five minutes of actual thinking about something. And you'd feel like you would want to kill yourself, jump off buildings to make this end. You know, people say, we all say, I've been thinking about this for weeks. No, you haven't. You've been avoiding thinking about it for you, weeks. You've been avoiding thinking about it for weeks. You've had eight seconds of thought about this and you repeated it 13 times every day for a week. But you have not had thoughts for weeks. You've thought very little about this. Anytime it gets to the more difficult parts of thinking, you run away from that thought to something else. And then you come back because you're anxious. You're like, oh, I should really figure this out. Let me go and think about the beginning that I thought about 13 times already. And you think about the beginning, you get scared and you run away from that thought again. It's not thinking about it for very long. When you slow down and you have to stay with things, be there for them present. Yes, sometimes you will feel tremendous fear or anxiety in that moment because you're looking at these options, you're realizing there's not a good option for me here. But the thing is, and we've all experienced this, sooner or later, something will happen. Either you will be forced to make a decision or somebody will make a decision for you or you won't make any decision which is, in many cases, the worst decision. Something will happen. Even if the something is that you didn't do anything, that's something, you know? So postponing it, avoiding it, we all know only makes it worse because we carry this pain with us, you know, for weeks versus just, you know, getting to it immediately. It's that story of, you know, that man that loved his dog so much and one of the legs of the dog had to be amputated. And because he loved his dog so tremendously and couldn't bring it over his heart to just amputate the leg, every day he would cut off a small piece. <laughs> you know, that's what we do. We're so afraid of cutting off the leg that every day we cut off a small piece of our leg. And it'll take us months to get the leg off that way. <laughs> That's what we do. It's easier to do this if you're running around like a headless chicken, full with sugar, full with salt, full with caffeine, full with music. You're numbing yourself to this insanity. But if you had to sit there in quiet and cut off one small piece every day and you didn't do anything else, how far would you get? You wouldn't get very far. After the third day, you'd be like, this is insane. And you just cut off the fucking foot and be done with it. That's what presence does. It's not meaning that it's not painful at times, but you won't be able to avoid the pain and you won't be able to be in this insanity of running away from things. You just address them and sometimes they're painful, but never as much as in our thoughts and never as much as in our delays. And, you know, I've been, you know, the typical pattern, I have to learn for a test for two weeks, so I'm stressed about it for 13 days, do nothing about it. And then I have one day, basically four hours, where I intensely learn, right? I could do these four hours on the first day of these 14 days and spare myself 13 days of extreme anxiety. Nothing has changed about my life in terms of my actions and my results, but how much has changed about my life? And then I didn't say, I can't come to this party, I need to learn. And then I wasn't learning, I was watching Netflix instead. <laughs> I actually can go to the party. I can actually enjoy myself and not worry about this. You know, that is the gift of going slowly and being intentional and doing less, way less. Today, I don't have to study for four hours and go to the party and go shopping and clean my room and reorganize my closet and research my next vacation and, you know, fucking walk the dog and visit my mom to take, you know, get a dinner from her and talk to a friend and help another... I don't have to do 75 different things. Just one thing, learn for four hours today. Nothing else has to happen. Once I do that, say how free I am now the next day to do other things and be there for them. Yeah, the busier you are, the more you're running away from yourself, from your feelings, from your fears, from your life. And so 
you know, as they say in the military, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. You know, just slow down. This is the one of the big after effects of darkness for me. Slow down. That's what the darkness taught me. Slow down. You're hurrying. Slow down. Relax. Slow down. You can get anywhere you want when you go slow. You run, you'll get lost. You'll run, you'll stumble and fall. You'll run, you'll break a leg. You won't get anywhere worth going in a hurry. Slow down. Just slow down. When... Like every podcast player has like the function to 2x yeah. the speed, right? But also they have like a 0.75 and 0.5. I wonder how many people actually use this slowdown. And I also wonder, like, uh, if you have to listen to something on 2x, is it really worth listening to at all? You know how many people listen to podcasts or audiobooks on 2x? A tremendous amount. And they take great delight in it because it is such a productivity boost. Now imagine you, because I guarantee you one thing, anyone that's listening to something on 2X is not just listening. They're not sitting on a couch, closed eyes, listening. So they're doing things, writing emails, cleaning the kitchen, working out. They're doing something else. Now think about the state of mind it puts you in when you hear humans speak in double the, the, and you're trying to actually listen and learn. Also, nobody's listening to literature in 2X or stories to 2X. And this is a book about some management technique or some life hack or some, you know, the benefits of breathing, like everything about, I'm going to study and learn more about breath. So I'm hearing this in 2X. Think about what state this puts your mind in, your body, and everything else you do. We look at kids in school and we go, this kid is hyperactive. Let's give them speed. That'll calm them down. Yeah, that's what it is. Like we're so concerned about productivity, more, 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 that we never really realize that the more, 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 we're just shoveling shit all day. Nothing of worth is being transported here. And no faster and no more will ever fulfill you and really make you feel, oh, now I finally feel the way I want to feel. You can't. Just like when you're a drug addict, then more drugs will not eventually heal you and make you go, now, this was the final dosage of heroin. Now I finally got to that point that I need to. It's, you know. High enough. I got high enough. But now life is good forever. There's no life hack. There's no, I've listened to five podcasts today while working versus to two that will get you anywhere. It's just a little bit of a, I was more distracted while being able to tell myself that I've gotten ahead of myself and others. I can say that I have a higher number on something than my former self or others. And that higher number must mean something good. I'm listening to five podcasts today. How many do you listen to? Oh, I listen to... 10 to 15, but I listen on 3X. It's more productive that way. Holy shit, I'm wasting my life. I'm not listening to enough podcasts. <laughs> I'm laughing at this, but it's actually really sad because there's real anxiety. There's real pain below all these things. There's a real pain there, a pain of not enough, pain of fear. I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not productive enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not valuable enough. I'm not worth while I'm not worthy. It's tremendous pain that's fueling all this activity, all these races. And in that state of mind, living like that for most of your life and being surrounded by that in with the people in your life, it is very scary to start slowing down. Slowing down feels very unsafe, very unsettling. Very it's kind unsettling. of like being on the highway and everyone is going 120 and then you're like, yep, yeah. I'm going to go 40 now. <laughs> Actually, when I came out of darkness, a couple of hours later, I drove to my kids and it was snowing. You shouldn't drive 
the day you come out of darkness. It's not a good idea. But I had made my mind up and then I decided, all right, the way I'm going to do this is I'm going to drive incredibly slowly. I'm going to drive always behind the slowest car that's on the freeway. And I did that. I have recordings of that on the kind of my darkness diaries. And I thought that would be easy. And then I discovered how incredibly difficult it was because very quickly, there was a voice inside of myself that went, are you fucking insane? Because, you know, the freeway would go, when it was going downhill and I was almost at the speed I needed because I was driving behind some like big truck, I was okay. But then when it would go up a hill, the truck would go half the speed that you were able to. And then every car was passing us by and I was driving behind. There were voices inside of me shouting at me, are you fucking insane? You're wasting all this time. You could be with your children. You could be at home half an hour earlier. What are you doing here? And I realized, wow, this is now I have anxiety for going so slowly. This is actually really stressful. It's another great because there's always like this. The grass is always green on the other side where we are not, what we don't have, what we don't do. It's so easy to put like a magical shine on it, right? Kind of turn the here now into meh. Yeah. And then you have to ask yourself, I mean, I had this in the car drive. What is that half hour going to do if I arrive there more stressed, more anxious? What is the half hour going to do if on the way there I get into a car accident? And by the way, it's not like I'm late. I was supposed to be there two days from today. I'm like... 48 hours early. Why is it important for me to be there 47 and a half hours? You know, how is that going to be a tragedy if I'm like 30 minutes later than 48 hours early? Just chill out. But it was very difficult that I felt a real internal pressure that I'm wasting time. This again goes back to the book Momo, like this wasting time as if it's not filling time with as much units of things is what is wasting time. Not being there, not being present is the biggest waste of time. Like you can do a million things today. Doing things that don't matter is the biggest waste of time because it exhausts you. It prevents anything important to enter your time and day. And it was utterly useless and pointless to do. I couldn't go to see my sick mother because I had to work so late. What did you do all day? I worked 13 hours. That used to be impressive to me. Like I used to work 17 hours. Work meaning I was in front of a laptop. Now, if you tell me you work more than eight hours, I'm like, you're full of shit. What did you really do that mattered? Right? You can do things that matter for four or five hours and then you are at the peak of productivity. Things that matter, difficult decisions, real focused work, eight hours stretching and you'll have some bullshit in there. 12, 13, 18 hours, no. You spend eight hours looking at emails, Twitter threads, starting to write the blog posts and then stopping, getting on some phone call, you know, going into a meeting that was one and a half hours that could have been a five minute email. You full of stuff that didn't matter. And then you can't go see your sick mother. And it seems rational to you. Oh, too much work. We have too much going on in work right now. You're like so stressed that by the time you arrive with your children, you play with them. You can't even smile. You're just a robot now because you spend all this day exhausting yourself with stressing about things. That's what's wasting time is, is the time you have, you can't enjoy. You can't give it to the things that matter because you've wasted it with all the other things. Not, oh, I spent an hour on something that I could have rushed through in 10 minutes. You know, in the book Momo, they do it so beautifully because it's sort of like, you know, you could spend one hour playing with your children, but why not just get it done in three minutes? Right? Why waste the whole hour? <laughs> you could get this done more efficiently. You would have all this extra time. I love the part where the gray man talked with the barbershop man. Yes. yes. 
And it's like, well, you always have this chit-chat with your customers. You could go from 30 minutes to 15 minutes per customer. If you just cut the chit-chat, you don't have to like give them the second makeover just to make sure everything is, you know, 95% perfect instead of 8%. It's like, but this is why he loves doing this. Yeah. yeah. This is why he loved being a barber is because he was taking his time. He was putting in love into what he was doing and his customers. He was enjoying the little moments. And now we've made him more efficient. He can do more customers faster and he cannot talk to them and he cannot care for them. He can only focus on more, 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 more until at the end, he's a great little man and he's like, I hate what I do and I don't even know why I'm doing what I'm doing. That's the, the destination. That is the destination. No matter how much you love what you do, if you start on that path of more, 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 you'll end up hating what you do. Because you're not doing anything. You're not really present for anything anymore. So you're not there. I'm telling you, like going into the darkness was very terrifying. But holy fuck, like the first day out of darkness. First day out of darkness felt like you've given me a thousand micrograms of LSD and put me in an amusement park. I was like, what the hell? I made a, a goal. like Because in darkness, the day before I came out, I was so full of life and so excited to get back to life. I wanted to call my brothers and my mother on the way to my children and then invite them all to dinner and just like celebrate life with everybody and, da, 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 and this, that, and the other. And when I came out of darkness, I quickly realized there's no way I can do any of this. Even going to my children is, I'm rushing it, but it's sort of in motion already and I can't stop myself anymore. And so I didn't call anybody. I didn't look at my phone. I didn't check anything. I went home. I hugged my kids. My kids had friends over, so they were playing with them. I sat down and had like tea and talked to their mom a little bit about my experience. Then I just sat in a corner and I was listening to my kids playing. And I went on a little walk. I came back. We had dinner together. I put them to bed. I couldn't even tell them a story that night. And as I said, the most shocking thing, I could not even read. I was looking forward so much to reading the first day I would come out. Reading was too much. It's too stimulating. And I lay there to go to sleep and I was tripping so hard. All the driving on the freeway, cars passing me by, snow, so my kids screaming and giggling with their friends. Food, everything was sort of like punching me in the face. And for hours, I couldn't fall asleep. I was so overstimulated. And I thought, holy fucking shit. I did so little and it was too much. It's way too much. And I actually started getting mad. Like I started getting really angry towards at like 3 a.m. or something. I was starting to be so upset with myself for coming to see my kids that I went too fast again and da 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 da. And then I was mad at them. I don't know even what it was. Something irritated me about their mom and them and this and that. And also to say, like when you are in complete darkness and then you try to sleep in a normal room, you realize, oh my God, it's like. 15 things that are shining lights on me. So, and I was sleeping on the couch in the living room. So, you know, many, many times I had to get up and like, there's a tiny red dot light in some device somewhere in the corner. And I had to like unplug that and I had to put a shirt on something. And still that room was so bright. I couldn't get to real darkness. So I was like, I can't sleep here. I got mad at like so many things. I was in this really like overstimulated mindset. I felt like a baby that you give a chocolate bar and like honey and something else, like a three-month-old baby, and then you put it to sleep. And it's just like overstimulated. It's just, you know, and you're getting antsy. You're getting like irritated, irritable. And then at 3 a.m. at some point, I got up and I sat there and I was like, okay, just breathe a little bit. 
Just try to focus on breathing. At that point, I'd given up on sleep. I'm like, I'm not going to sleep tonight. Just chill. And then it hit me. For one moment, I got present again and I looked around the room and it was not total darkness, but it was dark. And it was so quiet. The room was totally quiet. And I was like, wow, that loud screaming, lights punching. That's all in my mind. So those are my thoughts right now. Look, this very moment, there's nothing going on. It's so quiet and tranquil. I realized that calm, quiet, almost always available. when We just quiet down enough. And I also realized if I live my life in a way where I am overstimulating my mind, I can never find peace. I will never, no matter how quiet the thing is that I'm at, I will never find peace. Dude, I was in Cancun last summer in June during my birthday, do a beach vacation. And I could not find a moment of relaxation there. And it was like nice music and beach and amazing food and drinks. I was doing all the things that look like having an awesome time, but I just could not find a second of rest because my mind was just like overstimulated, over anxious, over stressed, over where I could not calm down. And that was a beautiful moment. It was like the first night out of darkness when I closed my eyes to go to sleep. I instantly thought, fuck. I fucked up. Like, I'm in trouble. <laughs> I could easily tell I'm in trouble. I'm not in a good... Because I was so tired, but when I closed my eyes, the voices and sounds and impressions, that everything was so stressful and intense. I was like, oh my God, I'm in trouble. <laughs> There's no... It's not going to be an easy night. But at 3 a.m. when I had that moment of actually awakening to the moment and realizing, holy shit, it's so quiet in here. How did it feel so tumultuous the entire time? It was a beautiful little experience. And ever since, ever since the darkness, I've been thinking less, slow down, calm down, be here now. And I mean, I've set myself up for... It's not just since darkness, it's been like years, right? Where even... Phuket trip, it's like, just this, the goal for this trip is going to be, and it's like, who would have think that it's this uneasy yeah. right, to get, to change that? I think, you know, you do, I at least spent, you know, I don't know, my first 10 years probably weren't like this, but I spent 20, 25 years speeding up faster and faster and faster and faster, more, more, more. And then, you know, it's such an insane speed that you go, I have to slow down a little bit. You're slowing down, but you're not slow. You know, and this has been my experience. It's like a slowing down for sure. The last three, four years, I feel like five years, I feel like constant slowing down, but it's still pretty fast the way I go. You know, it's still pretty fast. Oftentimes I have to laugh because I look at the decisions I made in the moments of unconsciousness and I go, I'm like, why is my life not slowing down? I'm like, well, look, you set up another event and another thing and another thing. <laughs> Slow the fuck down. It takes time, yeah. At least for me, it takes time.